scammers are stealing hundreds of millions of pounds every year. They bombard us with fraudulent texts, emails and calls. And what's more, their tactics are getting increasingly sinister. To keep across the latest scams, sign up to our free Scam Alert service to help you stay ahead of the latest scams and protect yourself. Go to witch.co.uk forward slash scam alert dash newsletter. That's witch.co.uk forward slash scam alert dash newsletter. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Witch Shorts podcast. I'm Rob Lilly Jones. I hope you're well sorted for Christmas by now, but in this episode we wanted to give you inspiration for a few outdoor jobs in the new year. We'll be discussing how you can look after the wildlife in your garden as the temperatures drop, but first we'll be hearing about the mysterious world of eDNA and what it can tell us about the animal visitors to our homes. To read us this piece, originally written by Dr Ken Thompson, I'll hand you over to Harry Kind. We're quite unaware of most of the wildlife in our gardens. Much of it is small and inconspicuous, and also trying hard not to be noticed or eaten. A lot is also nocturnal. Many gardeners find it difficult to believe Britain has just 59 species of diurnal butterflies, but around 900 species of mostly nocturnal large moths, plus even more small ones. Even large noisy nocturnal animals can be tricky to spot. Monitoring hedgehogs in gardens by using footprint tunnels, where they're lured across an ink pad using bait so their distinctive footprints are recorded on a removable sheet of paper, reveals many gardeners don't know that the creatures visit their outside space. And some gardeners think they have hedgehogs, even though no objective trace can be detected. Can we put the detection of hedgehogs on a firmer footing? Well, maybe. For a while now, biologists, and especially conservationists, have been getting very enthusiastic about environmental DNA, or eDNA for short. DNA is everywhere, and for more than a decade, researchers have used eDNA in water to identify otherwise hard-to-spot organisms, such as great-crested newts. More recently, scientists have tracked insects by the eDNA trace left on leaves, and also found eDNA of mammals in the soil beneath the trails they use. But eDNA in the air? That seems so unlikely that scientists have only just got around to looking for it. The breakthrough came when researchers who worked on naked mole rats found that their eDNA could be detected in air samples from their laboratory. But what about outdoors? To find out, they went to Hamilton Zoo Park in Cambridgeshire and collected air samples from both outside and inside zoo buildings. The beauty of a zoo, of course, is that you know exactly what's there. They then used polymerase chain reaction, or PCR, to amplify the genetic fragments they found and match them to known sequences in a database. The result was eDNA from 25 species of mammals and birds were found. Most were zoo animals, but they also found eDNA of chicken, pig, cow and horse, almost certainly from the meat fed to captive zoo predators. They also detected airborne DNA of wild animals that must live nearby, such as hedgehogs and the inevitable squirrels. Meanwhile, researchers pursued the same idea at Copenhagen Zoo, where they found even more animals. 49 species of vertebrates, again including non-zoo animals such as cats, squirrels and mice, along with fish used as food. 
This research raises the prospect of using airborne DNA to reveal the presence of otherwise hard-to-detect wild animals. But, like all the best research, it also raises lots of questions, such as how far does the DNA travel, and how long does it hang around? Another question is, how does animal DNA end up in the air in the first place? Are cells shed as they scratch or rub their skin? Vigorous activity, such as fighting or subduing prey or mating, doesn't seem to be necessary. Both research teams found sloth eDNA. With some tiny traces of DNA, preventing contamination is also likely to be a thorny problem. And of course, eDNA isn't just limited to vertebrates. When the Natural History Museum looked at just a cupful of soil from its wildlife garden, it found the DNA of hundreds of invertebrate species, including 620 nematode worms, 296 insects and other arthropods, and 12 earthworms, plus a huge diversity of unicellular organisms. But why waste time collecting eDNA when there are species that will do it for you? Marine sponges filter eDNA out of seawater, and one research team found eDNA from 31 different species, including penguins and seals, inside a sponge. Another looked at eDNA from leeches collected in Southeast Asia, Madagascar and Australia, and found a huge range of species such as endemic frogs, lemurs, hornbills, wombats and pangolins. As they note, no other survey method finds so much biodiversity with so little investment of time and effort. Right now, I don't think anyone is offering to tell you if there are hedgehogs or other wildlife in your garden from a sample of water, soil or even air, but surely it's only a matter of time. So, what can you do to help animals at this time of year? December is a good time to have a proper think about what your garden does for wildlife and how it might be improved for next year, but first of all, don't get carried away. Although research shows that most wildlife don't care about whether your garden is large or small, don't try to cram every wildlife-friendly feature you can think of into a small garden. Never lose sight of the fact that all wildlife needs the same few basic things – water, food, shelter and somewhere to breed. Try to squeeze in a pond, however small. You'll be surprised how much wildlife will use a water-filled sink. If there really isn't room for a pond, at least have a bird bath. Apart from water, all those wildlife requirements add up to essentially the same big thing – plants. As many and as big as you can manage. So I make no apology for banging on again about finding room for a tree, even in a small garden. If there are garden users who aren't quite as keen on wildlife as you are, keep them happy by planting a small fruit tree. Everyone, or almost everyone, has room for an apple or plum tree on a dwarfing rootstock. Most of us have relatively small gardens, and the smaller your space, the more of it consists of edge, so make sure your boundaries pay their way. Most of us have to put up with existing structures, but if you have the choice, maybe an old fence is falling down, consider replacing it with a hedge. Cover fences and walls with jasmine, clematis, ivy and honeysuckle. Ivy will often do this for you, without needing to be asked. Lawns aren't the wildlife disasters they're made out to be, and you may need one for children to play on. But in a small garden, consider whether you could use the space in a different way. Ditching the lawn would allow you to grow more flowers, and maybe some fruit and veg. Plus, you could get rid of the lawnmower. Another small garden tactic is to grow plants that are decorative, useful and good for wildlife. For example, herbs such as rosemary and chives. Finally, bird feeders and nest boxes shouldn't be too close together, so think carefully about whether you have room for both.
Thank you so much to Harry and to Dr. Ken Thompson too for his piece which was originally written for the December and January issue of Witch Gardening magazine. Remember you can find more articles you'll find useful every day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters. And you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. Next week, we'll be back with something special as we bring you an episode of our Get Answers podcast, but we'll return with new episodes in 2024. Thanks for listening. Which Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly, while the exec producer was Angus Farker. And I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Grace here to tell you all about our new podcast at Witch. It's called Get Answers and you can listen now on whatever platform you like. Me and co-host Harry will be with you every other Monday with episodes dropping each fortnight as we help you solve life's everyday problems. Whether it's getting the most from your weekly shop, finding travel hacks to save on your family holiday or simply learning the tricks that make your everyday life easier. And we'll be joined by the very best experts too. Just search Get Answers and subscribe so that you can catch our episodes as soon as they drop.